Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by our co-host. And today we were waiting for the biggest return of the season, and we were waiting for the news that he's finally coming back. And we didn't hear about Aaron Rodgers, but we did get the big return, because joining me today is the original co-host of Green and Gold Forever, Matt McLean, and I'm sure he's very excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. Hopefully our listeners are too and not like, ah, no, damn it. I thought we were completely done with this guy. (laughs) I'm I'm back for a show here, so you'll have to bear through it one more time. (laughs) Well, I'm sure everybody's excited to hear from you again. And, um, you know, obviously people know we're brothers, so we're still talking all the time. We didn't have a falling out or anything like that. Um, But I'm curious to get your take on this weird season. So obviously the hope is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to play on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers and end the Brett Hundley era, which, if it ends after Sunday, ended on a bizarre yet triumphant note when the Packers beat the hapless and winless Cleveland Browns in Cleveland 27-21 in overtime after trailing 21-7 at the start of the fourth quarter. And, um, Matt, what are your thoughts not only on how Hundley played at the end of that Cleveland game, but Hundley as a whole? I'd, I'd love to hear your take on this whole eight-game odyssey that we've had with Brett Hundley. Yeah, it's to me it seems so weird that it was eight games. Like just you saying that, it seems like it it almost went so fast. Just because I, I think at the beginning, I think most of us kind of just thought the season was over. So to I mean to find yourselves in this situation, I think that we all have to kind of say it's a win mm-hmm. and. After being a couple games in, I I was ready to throw in the towel. I mean, he looked so bad. Um, I, I was willing to give him a chance at first, obviously, as we all were. But, I mean, he was just so inaccurate. And I just thought that this poor roster didn't have any chance to win with him there. Um, but to watch them kind of gut things out, especially over the last couple of weeks, I, it kind of left me feeling good about it. And um, just the expectation change from going in, into a game with Rodgers and you know you need to win that game is – and now with Huntley you go in thinking, we're probably going to lose, but it'd be cool if we won. So to to pull a bunch of those games off and to be still in the playoff hunt now, I, I feel pretty good about the whole thing. And I, I'm more of a Huntley fan than I was maybe five or six weeks ago. Yeah, I would agree. And it the, the, the fan in me that's looking at it more, or I guess not the fan, the, the football observer that's looking at it a bit more objectively is saying, well, they beat two of the worst teams in the NFL. They needed comebacks and overtime to do it. But seeing how excited he was beating the Browns in the manner they did, uh, a friend of mine at work actually was telling me that it, had they just beaten the Browns 20-6 to six or something in a game that was relatively uneventful, you might not have felt as good about it as winning it the way you did. And so to see Hunley as fired up as he was at the end, and everybody's hoping that this is the end of the Hunley era, and, and the weird feeling came over me on Sunday that this is possibly, if everything goes how we want it to, the last time we ever see Brett Hunley take meaningful snaps as a Green Bay Packer. And it it was just, I I had an appreciation for what he had done the last couple of weeks. I know that these not aren't necessarily planting the seeds towards a Super Bowl championship, but it at least made for some interesting games that we're going to remember. And that didn't look like it was going to be possible a month ago from this guy. No, for sure. And I mean, even watching that game in the comeback, you're down 14 points, so you know he has to do something. And the coaching staff did a really good job of calling plays where, I mean, he still wasn't chucking the ball down the field and making these, you know, dime throws or anything like that. A lot of it was little five-yard passes that, you know, guys like Devontae Adams were making work for him and getting big gains on. But 
So, I mean, it's not like I think he's ever probably going to be an elite or a great NFL quarterback or anything like that, but, um, but just to see him be able to manage the game and make a comeback like that, I, you know, you think maybe some NFL team might bite on that and, and sign him up. And like you said, um, probably not on the roster after this, um, if all goes well. Yeah. And I almost thought that this might be the best case scenario for the Packers in that before the whole thing went down, like when Aaron Rodgers, the first uh, episode after he got injured, my concern was, well, if he's really good, then maybe you have a quarterback controversy. But if he's really, really bad, then he has almost no trade value. And then what do you do? And this going three and four as a starter, you could perhaps say three and five if you want to put the Minnesota loss on him. I I, I would give him maybe a half a loss for that Minnesota loss just because it was, um, you know, he wasn't expecting to play that day. But I think he did enough good things where he might have created an opportunity for himself to be a perennial backup in the NFL for years to come, but he probably didn't show enough where anybody's going to give him the big contract or make a big trade. So maybe the best move for him is to re-up with the Packers for another four years. He probably could uh, increase his salary significantly, maybe make a million, million and a half a year, and then he's there as, as an insurance policy. And then if Aaron retires at a more conventional age, age in his late 30s instead of playing in the 40s like all all these guys are talking then maybe he gets a transition year to kind of prove if he can be the guy while the Packers develop somebody else it might work out really well for everybody involved yeah and I think you're right he probably earned himself another 10 years in the NFL with the way he played probably not as a starter but um I think you know if you're trying to sign this guy at one or two million I think that's probably not going to happen because some team's going to give him that you know probably six or seven to be the backup, you know, a team like the Giants or the Browns that are going to draft somebody but want to make sure they have somebody that can win games or even a team that has a good starter that, you know, he's proven that he can come in with a not-so-good roster yeah. and still help you win some games, which is, I mean, that's all anybody in the NFL looks for in a backup. So mm-hmm. um, he's definitely earned himself some money. So I think that, you know, the Packers probably aren't going to be willing to sign him to a big contract. So I feel like there's going to be somebody out here who's willing to pay him. Yeah, that's that's probably a good point. I think they a lot of these guys you wonder how much they actually watch the film where they just see him making these plays late in games and they're like, "Oh man, this this Hunley's got what it takes" and ignoring the earlier parts of his tenure and earlier parts in the games in which he won where he was just outside of the Pittsburgh game, um even in the three games he won, he was pretty much terrible until the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah. There's, it just doesn't seem like there's as many sucker GMs around anymore. Like you wish you could have, have a guy like, um, Oh God, who's that guy for the lions in the, in the early 2000s? Oh, Matt uh, Millen, Matt Miller, a guy like that, that just, you know, it's like big talk and stuff. And you just think you could rip him off. Like, you know, there's just not, it seems like there's too many guys that are actually watching the film and doing their due diligence now. But, oh, but yeah, right. I, I mean, that's the lasting impression, right? I mean, we feel great about Hundley now, but we know deep inside he didn't win those games on his own or, you know, even was the large part of it, is, although he did play well and made plays at times. But mm-hmm. even in that Buccaneers game that they somehow beat a team that everybody thought was going to be good going into the year with their starting quarterback, and he didn't even play very well. No. So, I, but I, you're right. I mean, teams see that you won. They see that you made some plays in crunch time, and that means a lot for sure. Yeah, so uh, Hunley at least after at that Baltimore game it looked like he was going to be out of the league after that this season and now it looks like he's bought himself a chance to have a a nice career in the NFL um with maybe a, some opportunities for some spot starts or or to start on some bad desperate teams or you know maybe not the worst case scenario to be the Packers backup like a la Doug Peterson for years and years 
could be worse. Well, I mean, even look at, I'm sure a lot of these teams will do things to address it, but look at a team like Denver going in next year. You're going to tell me they wouldn't kill to have had him on their team this year or Houston. I mean, these yeah. teams could be playoff teams with a guy like that. So, I mean, there's a premium for a guy that just doesn't cost you games and mm-hmm. they're few and far between. It seems like, yeah, that's true. He he only had a couple of stinkers, but I think I, I know I'm guilty of it as anyone of, you think Aaron Rodgers with never having a bad game is the norm. And then, you know, we're coming a a day off of Tom Brady going 0 for 11 on third down. I mean, every quarterback has a few real bad stinkers. And Hunley didn't contribute very much in a couple of those games where he had less than 100 yards passing. But uh, like you said, if you're playing for a team like Denver with a ridiculous defense or, or a Jacksonville or something, they would love to have a guy who throws for 84 yards and runs for 66 and doesn't throw any interceptions. Okay, so let's talk about um, let, let's finish out the Browns game with some higher level topics, and then we'll talk about um, the possibility of Aaron Rodgers returning. So, had Brett Hundley and the defense not clamped down in the fourth quarter, I think the talk would have been how Dom Capers took a quarterback who was on pace to be one of the worst fifteen starting quarterbacks in terms of passer rating in the last thirty years, and made him look like a Pro Bowler. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser has looked hapless during his best moments so far this year. And he came out there and he was shredding Dom Capers defense with, uh, you know, almost no resistance to those wide receivers. Everybody in the world knew that Josh Gordon was about the only good player on Cleveland. And uh, he got a free release almost every single route he ran in the first half. And Deshaun Kaiser, despite throwing two interceptions, one really bad one in overtime, he still ends with a 99 passer rating. And so um, once again, Hundley saved the Packers season, but he also unfortunately might have saved Dom Capers job and let us all forget how terrible that defense played for six of the uh what 10 quarters that they've played in the last two weeks yeah I mean that was embarrassing at first and just on social media everybody was saying and you included Dom Capers is going to be fired before they get on the back on the plane I mean it was that bad yeah I I I mean I think the Browns offense has been a little I, I think they probably had the roster put together for our game better than they had all year. You had Gordon, you had Corey Coleman back, who's their second best receiver. They had been without both those guys most of the year. So that helps a lot. But, I mean, that's still a really bad offense. Mm-hmm. So to come out and get shredded by a team like that is embarrassing. But, you know, at least they were able to clamp down, like you said, in the second half and allow them to almost nothing and put start putting a lot of pressure on them. But Kaiser's been so bad and made has made such bad decisions all year. And to just – I. To come out and let him do that on you when you've been game planning all week is is just mind blowing, really. Yeah, it I is. Mean, maybe they they must have had you know trust in him not being able to make any throws. Hopefully that was the case because, like you said, they were just leaving guys open. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Is and and I think that's a perfect showcase for what's wrong with Dom Capers is that. He's even when he's playing the worst quarterback that we've seen in the NFL in the last 10 years. He can shred Dom's defense because it's built to play the worst quarterback of 1992 who can't throw a 5-yard flare out, can't throw a a slant pass. Can't, even, you know, your best players sometimes would sky a seam route to the to the free safety. We're in an era of the NFL where a 15-yard throw to a guy running with a free release down the seam is a throw that even the very worst quarterback we've seen in a decade can make with great consistency mm-hmm. and so but but again I have to say at this point unless somehow uh, they lose a bunch of games with Aaron Rodgers 45 to 41 I don't see Dom leaving after this year and it's it's 
it's made for some exciting games. And I, during the games, I'm always going to cheer for the Packers. I'm never going to cheer for the pick during the games. And even, you know, we left that station a long time ago. Once they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks, you're pretty much stuck in the teens. Even with a 6-10 and 10 record, you're going to be in the low teens. So the chance to bomb and get like a super high draft pick are long gone. But they're winning enough and they're winning in a manner where I think... Unless he doesn't want to, Dom Capers is going to be the defensive coordinator in 2018. Yeah, I think really the only way, like you said, is if over these next couple of games that the offense is great and all of a sudden the defense can't do anything again or you get in the playoffs and you give up a 50 or something like that. Yeah. It could still happen, but I mean, with I mean, we, this has been the overriding theme of our show since we've been doing it and that Dom Capers needs to go basically and it still hasn't happened, so I think it's going to have to be something drastic or he's just old enough that he's just going to finally retire. I think <laughs> that there's no way they get rid of him unless something major happens. And even still, I mean, we've seen that time and time again at the end of seasons and it hasn't caused any change. Yeah. I, people talk about him perhaps retiring. And, and when Chris has been on the show, he's, he's talked about maybe the Packers kind of coaxing him into retire, but you know, his mentor is Dick LeBeau. Who's probably like, no, Dom, you got a good 30 years left in you for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like you said, you know, you, obviously we're not cheering against the Packers during the games or even, I mean, as an overriding theme, but he's just, there was a certain part of my soul that after Rodgers went down, you sort of wanted to see this team bomb a little bit, just because we all know this roster is not very good. Mm -hmm. And to just kind of put the spotlight on, on McCarthy and Thompson and Capers to just be like, look at what we've put around Aaron Rodgers over these last, you know, six years or so. Yeah. And, and how embarrassing this is because, I mean, I think that that Bears game was a pretty good indicator of where our roster. I mean, we're basically the Bears without Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. And I, I mean, it, it lined up almost perfectly because I mean, your comparison to that quarterback and the rest of the team, we're basically that same team, and yep. and which isn't good enough. So I, you know, part of us just wanted to see something like that happen, just because you get so frustrated with these guys for just putting the stuff around Rodgers, but. I mean, they showed up better than I thought they would, so you have to give them credit for that. But it's going to buy these guys a lot more time, I feel. Yeah, and I, I think there's a 0% chance McCarthy goes anywhere. And, and in all honesty, I don't know if – I've been a little softer on him than I have the others. I, you, I mean, these were not good teams that you beat, but – We've seen some of these other teams completely implode when things have happened, like you lose your best player, or you get down in games, and for the Packers, outside of that debacle in Baltimore uh, against Baltimore and then that game against the Lions, they've been in all of these other games. I mean, they played the Saints really tough. They took Pittsburgh down to the wire, all the other games they won, and so I think that shows pretty well of McCarthy that um, he can at least get his guys to be competitive no matter what he has. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, you beat the teams that you were supposed to beat, but I wasn't even sure we were supposed to beat those teams anymore. <laughs> like even going into that Browns game, you know, a couple of days ago, there was still doubt in my mind about that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, heads up. I mean, if your rosters are comparable, but you can still pull off the win, I, I think that does speak to the coaching a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely kudos for that. And so hopefully this is the end of the Brett Hundley era. He, uh, like we said before, he went three and four. And I talked about that when Aaron Rodgers got hurt is that, the realistic expectation for your backup quarterback is to go about 500. I mean, we looked at a lot of quarterbacks in history, whether it be the Cowboys in the 90s without Aikman or the 49ers without Young or Montana or Kelly or the Bills without Jim Kelly. They all went a little bit above or a little bit below or right at 500. And it took a while, but 
for Hunley to get them to that three and four. Um, maybe you'd like would have liked to have seen him perform better against some of those teams like the Lions or Ravens or maybe sneak one out against the Steelers. But to win three of his seven starts, that's about the most you could ask for from an NFL backup, I think. Yeah, I mean, just look at what happened to the Colts that year, what, a decade ago or more when they when they lost uh, Peyton Manning and they had yeah. to go to Curtis Painter and whoever the heck else they had on the roster. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just just the, the worst thing you've ever seen on a football field. So you, you can at least compare yourself to that and say you're a little better than that. Yeah, heck, the Colts this year, I mean, traded for a guy to go 3-10. and 10. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a bad sign. All right, so Rodgers, lots of speculation. Um, TMJ4 out of Milwaukee, the NBC affiliate, has reported that his collarbone is not fully healed, which felt a bit like a clickbait uh, sort of title because, well, I don't know what fully healed means. He's got screws and plates in it. It's likely never going to be fully healed. Um, so I, I don't know exactly what that means. It sounds like they're still evaluating, and perhaps tomorrow we will know whether or not he plays. And Mike McCarthy really made it sound like he um, wanted to make a decision by tomorrow so he can either go with uh, Rodgers taking the first team reps and getting treated like the starter in the um, in, in meetings or to go with Hunley. And I, I think he's got a point there, but... This is a weird one, and everybody's got an opinion on whether they should play him or not. And I'm of the opinion that if there is no greater than normal, whatever the new normal is, chance of him getting injured, that I think he should play. And obviously there's always going to be a chance that he re-injures that. But I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but the NFC's as open as it's been in a number of years. And uh, the Bleacher Report actually had a really good article about this that said there's too many fans that believe in kind of this delayed satisfaction. And I, I feel like I've been one of them for most of my fandom, and I'm kind of coming out of it a little bit. But he articulated it much better than I've attempted to on this show in that if the Super Bowl is all you care about, you're pretty much always going to be sad. So acknowledging that the Packers have a 0.1% chance of winning the Super Bowl, even with Aaron Rodgers... It's still much more fun to watch Aaron Rodgers play than Brett Hundley. So if he's not going to get injured, he should play just for the simple fact that it would make the last three weeks of the season much more enjoyable. Yeah, and I mean, obviously they're not going to throw him out there if he he has the ch- chance of getting tackled and it just snapping right away you know, on a regular. They're not going to do that. But I also feel like they, we wouldn't have been hearing about this for two weeks now, or, or even longer, that this was the date that they're going to. Um, review it and I just you feel like they would have kept that a little more hush if they felt like the likelihood of him coming back was was low yeah um, because everybody's expecting it at this point you know I think there's really no chance that if the scan came back as good as they expected he wouldn't play I feel like at this point mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem like there's any chance that if he's healthy and healed that he's not gonna play so yeah as as much as you fear for the potential long term of this team and that Worst case scenario, he snaps his collarbone again on you know this weekend. Um, God, you wonder if he starts second guessing his career. You know, he's a guy who yeah. said he wants to play late, um, but I mean, it is an injury he would likely heal from before next season starts too. And in this case, your season's already done, so you don't want somebody to have to yeah. go through this same kind of treatment twice in a row. Obviously, you wouldn't want to wish that on somebody, but I just I feel like the the upside is a little more, and it's not me with the the collarbone that has to deal with that, but I. I feel like just knowing him, he, there's no way he's not going to play if he if he can. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, yeah, I would hate to see what happened if he ever re-injured it. But that's going to be a risk for the rest of his career. If if, if there's a legitimate risk that 
Um, and there is, I would imagine, that if he gets tackled like that ever again, that the damage is going to be much worse with all the, the, the robo parts that he's got in there. And, you know, if that's the case, if it's that dire, which I, it's not, but if it were that dire, then he should never play again. <laughs> you know, it, it, there always is going to be an elevated risk. And, uh, Gosh, yeah, that <laughs> that I I don't think that'll happen. But um, I think Martellus Bennett, though, his agent said that he that um, Doctor McKenzie was trying to get Aaron Rodgers to uh, play right away in that Saints game um, when he couldn't even lift his arm, and so um, it's it's surprising that Aaron's been able to convince that butcher to uh, take it this slow. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard that. that. So Martellus, was that part of the reason why he wanted out? I didn't hear that report. Oh, you never heard the Martellus Bennett uh, uh, when he was going after Dr. McKenzie? No, I never read any of that. Stuff. Okay, well, you're lucky. It was uh, A lot of people kept asking us about it. I didn't see a ton of it because I just kind of deleted him from my mind. But he went after Dr. McKenzie and, and said that um, McKenzie had pressured him to play with an injured shoulder, and it led to Rodgers and a lot of ex-Packers like John Kuhn and, and Tauscher and them come out and say how it's the exact opposite, that Dr. McKenzie is perhaps the most conservative doctor in the NFL. And so, um, you know, it's add that to the chalk of uh, uh, the list of lies from the Bennett brothers. Yeah, I've had, I've had enough of those two, I think, for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I, I think everyone has. Uh, they, they, they are uh, amongst a season where everybody is taking a hit uh, in the PR department in the NFL. They perhaps are taking it worse than anyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so any other thoughts? Um, I know we haven't talked to you all season, so um, a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. What do you think they do with the receiver situation next year? It's clear that Devontae Adams is their number one receiver and perhaps one of the 10 best receivers in the league. He has more than half of their receiving yards with Brett Hundley. Um, and Jordy Nelson, believe it or not, has 21 fewer yards than Jamal Williams from Brett Hundley. Uh, he has gone completely away, and Randall Cobb seems to appear and disappear um, every other week. So knowing that they have about $25 million in cap space to Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb... And and they have um, Devontae Adams being a free agent this year. Um, what do you think they'll do? And what would you do if you were uh, building the free agent, or I'm sorry, the wide receiver core in 2018? Or, neither of their contracts are up after this season, right? No, I think Cobb has one more year and Jordy, I think, might have another year as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably keep it as is for now. I, I feel like it's kind of unfair to Jordy's legacy, perhaps. I feel like some people are looking at this and be like, well, I guess he wasn't as good as we thought. It was all Rodgers. But I, I think age is definitely catching him a little bit, too. And yeah. um, But it'll be it'll be interesting, though, to see how well he plays when Rodgers is back because those two always connect so well. And even if he's lost a step, I think he's going to still be a big threat for this year and probably next year, too. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm – for the last few years, I've been pretty down on Cobb. I just – He's the athletic guy who's not athletic anymore. <laughs> he's just <laughs> yeah. always – he's still pretty young, but he's just – it must just always be injuries because you just never see that burst that he had when he was a young player. So you're basically just trying to do things like um, you would with – they don't even have anybody anymore. But, uh, you know, a speedster like maybe Austin Davis or something, you're mm-hmm. doing things with – you know, other teams do with guys like Tyreek Hill and things like that, but he just doesn't have it anymore. Um, so, I mean, if, if that's his strength, he's just, he seems to have lost so much. And I, mm-hmm. I think you can afford to move on from that and whether he's a camp cut or you try to get some value from him in a trade, which I think you still maybe could. Yeah. Um, I think you could probably move on from him and, and be in a little bit better spot with that cap space compared to what you're going to get on the field. I think 
I think I'd hold on to Jordy for a, another little bit, let him play out his contract, but I think Cobb you could afford to get rid of. Yeah, I would agree with that uh, entirely. Uh, it's sad because Cobb's such a great guy, but yeah, like you said, his unique um, skill set seems to be gone, and one scout said that he thought Randall Cobb was an old 27-year-old because he came into the league so young. I mean, he had his leg destroyed in 2013, you know, almost had it completely, you know, knee blown apart but he jumped at the last second so he cracked the bone that connects your knee to your leg and then he had that ankle injury the year before he's had that chest injury that was really scary in the playoff game so he's quite banged up and yeah it seems like he doesn't quite have it and Jordy I think him and Rogers have a a special connection and I maybe I'm being selfish that I, I would let him play out his contract just because of what he's meant to the team and he's he's been a little bit more prominent than Randall Cobb and Maybe this year, um, you know, people, I think you're right, are jumping on him saying, well, he's no good without Rodgers. If you go back and look at, like I did this year, to say, well, who's performing with Brett Hundley? Well, it's Devontae Adams. If you go back to 2013, Jordy Nelson was the one that was catching 30% of the receiving yards when Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien were playing. So I think age and, you know, he's had a major injury recently is definitely playing a part in that. Well, and you just go back and look at some of the film from even just a couple of years ago. I mean, you can clearly see on the field, even when Rodgers is there, he's making some big plays for Rodgers and making athletic plays that just a a guy wouldn't be making. You know, I I think some Packers quarterbacks have made some receivers over the years, but I don't think he's necessarily one of them. No, and he he seems to be like doing this weird slide and like dive kind of stuff every time he catches a ball it's really weird. Even when he catches a ball in the end zone, he seems to go down to the ground. And I don't know if that's some weird technique that he discovered or if it's an attempt to not get injured, but have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah. It's, it's unusual for a receiver to do that, but I, I mean, he's, he's what, 30 now? Uh, 31, 32, something like that. Yeah. So I guess at that point in your career, if you make the catch, I mean, you see a lot of older receivers do that sometimes. I mean, just just get down. What's the point? (laughs) Well, didn't Mark was that Marvin Harrison who did that most? Yeah, that was Marvin Harrison's thing. Yeah, and you know why not? I mean, you're you're at that point, you're probably not going to roast anybody after you catch it. So (laughs) you know your likelihood is you're going to get smashed. So you might as well just get down and not fumble. Yeah, may as well. Um, Any risk that Devontae Adams leaves Green Bay after this season? He still has another year on the contract, doesn't he? As well, no, he's a free agent. He's com- okay, it, it, and unrestricted. I believe so. Yeah, because I uh, usually they go four year contracts with everybody but the first round pick. So this is his fourth season. I'm I'm a hundred percent. I'm almost a hundred percent sure. Yeah, so, I know. It's almost like he wasn't here for the first two years of that. So it's yeah hard to remember that. Yeah, true. Um, well, I mean, if I mean, like we talked about, you know, I, I feel they're going to stay status quo. But if you need to find salary space to pay a guy like that, I think you do it, and you can you know, expense, you know, a Randall Cobb or things like that to get it done if you need to. I I feel like at this point you could still get them on a pretty decent contract, but you never know. I mean, there could be teams out there that are going to offer him that monster deal that you're just not willing to and overpay for him. So I, I think, of course, there's a risk. But, I mean, if you're coming into Aaron Rodgers being 31 years old in a season, he just came off an injury, and you're going to tell him you're taking his number one receiver without a, a backup plan in place i don't think that's gonna go over so well no i think you might have to replace your quarterback in a couple years since Rodgers doesn't have an extension either um mike florio was talking about that that perhaps the packers were not gonna risk 
Rodgers getting injured or Rodgers wouldn't want to play to risk getting injured because of his uh, he hasn't signed that extension yet and that could jeopardize things if he got injured but I just think I used to go to pro football talk all the time but this year especially with all the different controversies there have been if you go and see their top 10 stories it's all suspensions and national anthem protests and you know drugs and uh, spousal abuse and all that kind of stuff and it's like I, I'm, I'm tired of that guy just stirring the pot all the time. Uh, I, I can't say I've ever gone there, but I mean that's everything with football these days, and I think that's why so many people are getting frustrated. Like it's even me. Like you know, say the protests don't bother me, but it's just the coverage of the stupid stuff that I can't <laughs> stand, and it makes me, you know, frustrated kind of with the product. So it's, I mean, it seems that that's all anybody wants to focus on now, which kind of is ruining the sport a little bit. Yeah, but at least there's a lot of injuries though. Yeah, that's good, and the penalty flags help a lot too. Yeah, it helps take your mind off all the off off the field issues. Um, yeah, so I guess I, I don't have anything else about that game. We're really in a holding pattern right now to see. We have no idea what to expect on Sunday. Um, I think even with Aaron Rodgers, you would uh, if you were uh, you know not a total homer, you would have to say the Packers are the underdogs, even if Aaron Rodgers plays, and if Hundley plays, they're almost certainly going to lose. Yeah, I I would think. I mean. This Panthers team could surprise you. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be that surprised if you go in with Hundley and you still find a way to win. But uh, I, I sure wouldn't like their chances. They're playing so well right now. And even and with Rodgers, I'm Packers run he, defense is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's even with Rodgers, that's a tricky proposition. I don't know if I would pick them with Rodgers coming back. I mean, I think people just expect him to come in and be Superman right away. And that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I think either way, you better hope you catch the bad Panthers, <laughs> which, you know, it's been a week. So perhaps that's the, the Panthers you're going to get. Yeah. And actually with the way things are shaking out, if, if they can get, um, a Rams win over Seattle, or even so if Seattle beats the Rams, just to have the Rams completely fall apart, which is certainly possible as well, that there's enough of the teams in front of the Packers playing each other, that there's a reasonably good shot of them making it. And I wish I remembered the website, maybe the, the New York times or, or something like that. Um, that had a playoff, um, percentages where they, they simulate and, and see what your odds of making it are a 10 and six Packers team had a better than 90% chance of making the playoffs with the way things are going right now. So, um, the, the hardest part of that scenario is probably the Packers winning three more times. Right. Yeah. I, I think again, people are just kind of assuming with Rogers back, it's going to happen. I'm definitely guilty of that too. I was like, if you win against the Browns, I mean, you're in the playoffs now because <laughs> you're not going to lose one of the last three games, but um, I mean, these are some real challenges here. So I, it's going to be, uh, this, this game against the Panthers is going to be one of the biggest ones I can, you know, it, definitely this season for sure. And, and, and a little bit. So I, I think we'll all be nervous cause it's, it's a losing you're out. I mean, it's a yeah. one game playoff every single game, the next three weeks here. So it's exciting, but it's going to be some, uh, some heart attacks going on. <laughs> well, I guess it's better than the total boredom that I felt when they were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple weeks ago. And I just thought it was all over. Yeah, I agree. At that point, you think it's done because I even that game, I didn't think they had a chance to win that. So you, but you somehow pull that off, and then you beat the Browns, and now here we are. I think the only chance they have to win these last three games, though, is Aaron has to say something that's like soundbite worthy. Like yes. he, he's had R E L A X, and he's had relax. Like he's you know get on the boat and I'll steer you, or you know something else really cool <laughs> like that, right? I was gonna say at the, he's the kind of guy with a dry sense of humor that <laughs> should do that. Like just make it something stupid, and Packer fans will be like, "Oh yeah, that's amazing." And you'll see T-shirts <laughs> with it. <laughs> everybody get in the wheelbarrow, and I'll push you, and then ha- everybody be pushing wheelbarrows around the Lambo yeah. parking lot. 
Um, yep. he, he, he's got a day yet, so if, if he's going to get cleared tomorrow, he's got to come up with something to say at his press conference for sure. Okay, so let's go to our fan comments before we go to a crossfire segment, and uh, people had some thoughts on the game. Uh, Daniel Johnson said, I only saw the highlights because of being at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, which sounds fun. Our defense made Kaiser look like a Pro Bowl QB in the first three quarters. The team stepped it up that fourth quarter in overtime. Great job and great win. I'm concerned, though, because letting them be up by two touchdowns and having to come back with three OT wins and all the comebacks this season. This team seems like a team of destiny. The path of the playoffs is not easy as it will take some implosions by some teams to help us. I was not too surprised about how the game went and wouldn't be surprised if we lost. Um, I believe the Packers can lose to anybody. I'm so conflicted on whether or not we should bring Rodgers back. I just think that it would be a waste if we don't win the Super Bowl. With the lack of star QBs in the NFC, it seems like this team might be able to make a run. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, I mean, you like their chances with Rodgers, but I, they're just such a flawed team that, um, I, I want him to come back cause it would make the, this next week and perhaps the week after that and, uh, all that interesting, but I have no, um, delusions that a Super Bowl should be expected. <laughs> no, and I, you're right, but I mean, just. I think we kind of talked about it earlier this season when he was still healthy that this is seems to be one of those wide open years that this is maybe your chance just push through and now it's even developed even more to that way because you know the teams that we necessarily weren't expecting like the Rams and the Eagles to be so good all of a sudden Carson Wentz is out and the Rams aren't looking so hot and the Seahawks lose to the Jaguars it's mm-hmm. just it seems like it's right there for you if you can just push through and get in and and you get Rodgers playing well I think that you know it's far as the last like five years or so this might be your most open nfc without that big contender you have to compete against so man i'd like to just see them play him and get in i i think it's completely worth it you know if they get in at least get a shot at it i think that they've got a, a pretty reasonable shot and then you know your big teams in the afc i'm scared of pittsburgh but even like new england drops one of miami there's there's other flawed teams out there and in mm-hmm. fact they pretty much all are very, very flawed that if you've at least got Rodgers back there, you're like by chances against any of them right now. Yeah, I would agree. And if you could talk to Aaron Rodgers, that would be the thing to say is that if you somehow did this, if you won three games and then you won four more and won the Super Bowl, people would not care about counting the rings. You would be the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time, I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, they probably would, and then if Brady wins one next year, then he's back. They're probably people are so spur of the moment with that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, that's going to show as good as pretty much anything any quarterback's ever done, really. If you think about it, to come back off of a collarbone when people thought you were done for the year after it happened, and your team and was terrible back. without you. Yeah, and you'd have to come in and win seven straight to win a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, there's there wouldn't be much that. <laughs> would have compared to that NFL history, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Brian Dinsey said, they still will not make the playoffs. The secondary will be torn apart, and even if they make it, this team still can't beat whoever the top uh, teams are. Uh, so, uh, And then Brian has some topics. So um, a very conflicting opinions, but I think at this stage of the game, both are valid. All right, Eric. Yeah, I guess oh, so. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, I was going to read the next Brian? one, so you should go ahead. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while. We're talking over each other. Yeah, Jesus, Rusty. Um, <laughs> it, although their secondary is, is kind of poor, I mean, isn't this probably the best secondary we've had in the last couple of years? I mean, 
compared to last year when you had nobody left and you had just practice squad guys, I mean, we look like an all-star team right now compared to that. I mean, Randall's playing pretty well. I mean, you'll get King back, and even your backup guys like House are, aren't that bad. Yeah, and but I think, I think House is going to be out for a while. He cracked a bone in his back. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but I, I think even still, I mean, you're – your top four guys this year are, are much better than anybody you had last year. So yeah. I think compared to last year's team and you still, you know, made a little run with that team, I think you're sitting at least better than that. And um, I mean, and, and I just mentioned as far as that competing against the other top teams go, I don't think anybody's much more top uh, than the Packers <laughs> are right now if you have a good quarterback back there. No, I, I would definitely agree with that, that, that this is the, the shortest peak that the top of the NFC has had in a number of years. All right, Eric Hansen, uh, unfortunately, um, I couldn't see the whole game, but a few reactions from the stuff I was able to watch. One, I almost feel bad for the Browns and their fans. Their teams have been bad for over a decade now, and it honestly seemed like there were more Packer fans than Browns fans at the game, and there were lots of empty seats. Uh, before I get to the rest of your stuff, I do feel bad for a lot of Browns fans. Um, one of my, a family member of my my wife, he's a Browns season ticket holder, and he goes to the games even though he knows they're going to lose. So I feel bad for people like him. I do not feel bad for the um, bottle of Jack Brian Brennan jersey guy or the grab our friend's phone and put it down his pants. Atlanta Falcons shirt wearing yet still Cleveland Browns fan guy from 2009. I hope uh, that I think those people. I don't care that uh, they lost forty six of their last fifty games. Yeah, and I, we've probably talked about that game on here before, but it just those fans were garbage. Justin. <laughs> we we were all college guys, but I mean, we were super well behaved, and like none of us had like drank anything. We weren't rowdy at all, but everybody was just such dicks to us. It was weird. <laughs> like we didn't incite anything, and everybody just because we were wearing Packer stuff just was trying to get into fights with us it does it does kind of make me a little happy inside when stuff like this happens to them as much as you like to cheer for the lowly franchise but we just kind of had a bad experience with the city i think in that case but and i'm sure the packer fans have their guys i mean we've had uh, a drunk box guy get mad when the 49er fan cheered that the 49ers scored a touchdown so you know it's probably not fair to judge the whole fan base by a few bad seeds but you know that's what the human brain does that's right yeah and i mean as far as like that game goes, it just when you're down fourteen, it's just you felt like if the teams had swapped uniforms or like the Browns had got to wear something else, like that wouldn't have happened. It's just such a weird snake bitten franchise that that would happen. I mean, you're playing against a team without their starting quarterback. You're up fourteen. You're gonna win at home, but just somehow because we're the Packers and they're the Browns, it just turns out <laughs> that we're gonna score twenty one unanswered. Well, they say winning's a habit, so <laughs> so is losing. I would imagine. Yeah. All right, once again, Dom's defense gets run over, but this time it was by a bad rookie quarterback. If it wasn't for a few key mistakes late in the game, there's no way the Packers win that game. Do you think this could finally be the tipping point to bring about a change at defensive coordinator? Uh, We talked about that earlier, that it should be, but it probably won't be. Uh, Number three, I honestly think that Brett Hundley had the best game yet, and he was really on point when it mattered most, although I think it was a little funny how the announcers were implying that he might have won himself a starting job somewhere else with that performance. Come on, guys, you have to be smarter than that. That being said, do you think he's done enough and shown enough to get a backup quarterback deal in the NFL? Um, I think we talked about that before. Um, I did want to share how much I dislike Tom Brenneman. Um, I think I texted you that he calls a game between two lowly teams like he's uh, covering the landings on Omaha Beach. Yeah, yeah, he's bad. And I didn't used to have a problem with him, but he just, yeah, he irritates me now too. And I was getting so mad at the end of the game where he was just basically yelling at the Packers and McCarthy for running time at the end of the game. It's like, that's yeah. what you do. You don't want to give them the ball back with a bunch of time left off on the clock. And I, 
he was just over and over getting so mad about it. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, yeah. he's getting just crazy mad about something that doesn't make any sense. And yeah, there's there's so many frustrating announcers out there, though. That's one thing that I think maybe Packer fans will have a new appreciation for is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman after the slock that we've had to sit through announcing-wise. Yeah, I think we're two of the defenders of them and kind of always have been. And although they can get frustrating sometimes, and Aikman can get a little frustrating sometimes, but at least they're professional and say, you know, don't say stupid stuff and get things right and get players' names right and things. It just, when you get stuck with the D and E teams on Fox and CBS like we have, you're just like, please give me those guys back. (laughs) I'd I'd gladly listen to Collinsworth right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Um, get Devontae Adams signed to a long-term deal now. If he's listening, sorry, I thought you should, um, uh, I thought you, <laughs> okay, sorry. I, it's hard to read when you're talking and you haven't read this before, but, um, if he's listening, sorry, I thought you should ever be cut from the team. You're awesome, man. And I think we've talked about that, uh, last year yeah. that we all were kind of in that boat. Um, number five, I know I said after the Steelers loss, I didn't think this team had a shot of making the playoffs anymore, but with all the crazy stuff that has happened since uh, in the NFL since then, and the way this the teams are playing. I can say if Rodgers returns this week, I think they sh- they will have a shot to make the playoffs. It's not a great shot, but it's certainly much better than I thought was possible a few weeks ago. All right, and then our uh, uh, last comment we have is Omade Mousley, and then we'll get to Crossfire, and we'll quickly get through these Crossfire topics. Um, it's a good day if I get to jump up and run around celebrating a Packers win. There was a lot to take from this game. They fell in a 21-7 hole of the Browns. The Browns. The Browns. How do you almost lose to the Browns? At least they got it together. Their defense was still terrible, but Clay had another nice game. A couple of interceptions was nice to see, and the pressure on the last INT from Kaiser was both a lot of pressure and also why the Browns out-Brownsing themselves. Why does this defense make every quarterback look like Tom Brady? Um... Yeah, did you see Deshaun, maybe we talked about this already, but did you see Deshaun Kaiser defend that throw at the end that there were guys open down the field and so he felt like he could make a, a game-ending touchdown pass there? And uh, the, the, it was uh, true. Yeah, yeah, when they showed the replay, I saw that as well. But at that point, I mean, the pressure was already there and he has to just eat it. I mean, you see young guys make that mis- that same mistake throw all the time. But, I mean, he did have a guy, be- had him beat deep. I think, I get, you know, if he just wings it, hard he probably has a touchdown so yeah um but i don't but think I, 1996 brett Favre hits that more than one in 10 times oh yeah you're right but i think he was thinking if he just gets it off he at worst overthrows the guy or something but that yeah that was a stupid mistake <laughs> yeah it, it was i it's guess like a james james winston does that like once a game that exact same thing. <laughs> yeah exactly and i guess what is Deshaun kaiser supposed to say why'd you make that throw i don't know i suck that's why like mm-hmm. he's got to find some justification for it um, Jamal Williams uh, caught a nice touchdown and kept pounding the ball. Aaron Jones should have got a few more touches. Um, Nelson's uh, spotting was great, and it's safe to say that if Aaron comes back, his numbers will skyrocket. Devontae Adams, boy, what a spectacular game. Two nice touchdowns and has shown that he's an elite receiver. Again, I sincerely apologize to Devontae for all the bad things I ever said about him. Special talent who could be a superstar for the next 10 years. Um, as for Rodgers and his future, I think they should play him. I know it's a sharp turnaround from saying he will sit out until 2018, but I feel that given the NFC landscape, if they get in, they can make a run. They are a team of destiny, and if things go their way, February football will become a reality. Um, hopefully, the Packers or hopefully Aaron Rodgers can return and the Packers beat the Panthers to keep the playoff hopes alive. Uh, I love the enthusiasm. Um, usually, yeah. I, I guess I don't know. I, I go from pessimist to optimist and everywhere in between, but. Um, 
I want to see this happen to see if it could happen, but um, I, I honestly, if I had to put the chips down, I don't think they're going to win Sunday, um, and I have my doubts they would beat Minnesota. I think they'll beat Detroit either way, but um, um, we'll see. I would nice to be. Uh, it would be nice to get the opportunity to see if he can do it. Yeah, God, it stinks that the schedule winded up this way. It's nice that you got some bad teams while you had the backup in, but now for Rodgers to have to come back against this, I mean, even the worst team you're playing, Detroit, is very capable of beating you. Yeah. So it's a gauntlet for sure. I mean, you get three, two of the best teams in the NFC, if not the two best, and then you get another really good team. This in of itself is really hard to do. So if, uh, But, yeah, I mean, if this team somehow wins all three of these games, imagine the kind of momentum they're going to have going into this postseason if – Assuming that gets them in, I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's going to want to play them. I mean, they're people are they're probably going to be the Super Bowl favorite if they somehow do this. Yeah, I mean, in in 2010, a lot of people were saying that they were the NFC favorite even as the sixth seed. In this, I mean, can you imagine Philadelphia, those Minnesota, especially they'll be terrified to play the Packers. All right, and our last comment was Rob Perkins, um, who uh, is commenting, says hashtag Fire Dom Capers. Nothing else matters at this point. Um, I don't know if I would say nothing, but I I. I share your frustration with Dom. Unfortunately, I think it's going to continue at least for another season, barring something really weird happening in the next couple of weeks. All right, let's get to Crossfire. All right, so that signifies the beginning of Crossfire, where we take topics and we quickly debate them back and forth. And so we got a bunch of great topics from our fans, and we thought we'd use that to talk in the the last part of our show, since we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing or not. So we did enough speculation. Let's talk about some other topics around the NFL. And Matt, I got one topic that I came up with myself that I wanted to ask you. It's kind of a weird one, but uh, are you ready to enter Crossfire once more? I'm ready. Fire away. All right. You've been given access to a sports-specific time machine, and you can travel back in time to watch three events in person, one Packer game, one NFL game, and one non-NFL sporting event. Which would you choose? Oh, my goodness. Um, Man, Packer game, I feel like... I feel like in these cases, I want to choose at least one really old-timey cool thing to go to. So I think <laughs> if I'm going to choose a Packer game, man, I like you'd think you'd maybe want to go to one of the Super Bowl one, maybe or mm. two, or but I think I'd kind of actually almost want to see like um, one of their earlier championships than that. I don't know if I have one specifically, but mm-hmm. um, maybe kind of see the even the pre Lombardi, like the the like the Don Hudson area era where you know they're just killing I think that would just be awesome because it's so much different than what you can see now and you can go back and watch you know the Super Bowl one and two now um but you can't really go back and watch that stuff to, so to just kind of see what back at uh at old uh, East High School on that field city field uh maybe watch something there I think would be amazing so um, yeah, those are good ones. Here, I'll, but... I'll do my Packer one and then we can kind of yeah. go back and forth. So that's okay. a really good point. Um, yeah, you, you tempted to maybe do like the 61 championship where they won at Lambeau field and they crushed the giants and it wasn't quite so cold. Um, you're tempted to go to the ice bowl, but I feel like that would yeah, just want to be there. <laughs> yeah. It's so cold. It wouldn't be fun. One of the early super bowls would be interesting. Um, yeah, I guess 
I would go to the 1961 championship. Lombardi's first title at Lambeau Field. It was on New Year's Eve, so apparently they had a huge party afterwards. Um, and it was their first championship in, what, 15, 16 years at that point. So I think that would be a cool one to go to. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And you just know that in that time period, too, if you just go out to a bar by the stadium, like all the Packers are there, too, just smoking yeah. and drinking. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so what's your uh, NFL game not involving the Packers that you would have liked to have seen live? Oh, man, uh, this is a tough one here. Um, I don't. Do you have one in mind? You want to go first here? I got to think about this one for a second. Well, I was trying to decide how old I wanted to go, so it'd be tempting to go to the 1958 championship game between the Colts and the Giants at Yankee yep. Stadium, the first ever overtime game. Um, that would definitely be tempting. The other one... Uh, so there's one I talked about a couple weeks ago where the, it was the first ever indoor game because there was a blizzard, so they had to play on dirt and wood chips in 1932 in the first ever playoff game. The novelty of that would be interesting, but I think I would pick either the 1958 NFL championship game, the first overtime game, uh, the 1950 NFL championship, which is the Browns in their first season against the Rams in a, a shootout on Christmas Eve, which sounds super cozy. And I guess if I went to a game that I saw live, I would love to have gone to Super Bowl 38, the Panthers and the Patriots. Yeah, that would be a really good one, too. Yeah, I, I guess since I'm choosing something old-timey, I'd probably want to choose something more recent. I mean, maybe you'd want to see... Um, man, I mean, even like that Patriots Rams Super Bowl or the the Rams Titans, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I guess I'd probably maybe lean toward. Ooh, got it. All right, so I'm gonna go <laughs> to um, I'm gonna go to Super Bowl. Uh, was it 25 Bills Giants? Oh, uh, that's a good one. So I, I, you know, kind of in our child a little before you know we started getting hardcore into football, but um, I mean we watched that Scott Norwood game you know multiple times and things. So I think that'd be the game I'd choose. Yeah, and then with the uh, Whitney Houston and the pageantry and all that, I mean, you yeah. know, uh, however you feel about all that the patriotism stuff, I mean now it feels a little ham fisted sometimes. I think then it was genuine <laughs> when they're trying to right. do something. So yeah, that's a great one. All right, non NFL. This this could be anything, um, but this this is a difficult one. Yeah, um, I think for me, I've got a couple of choices. For I mean, for me, one being a big New York Rangers game or New York Rangers fan, I would have loved to be at either Game Seven or Six of the nineteen ninety four Stanley Cup. Yep, um, to see them take probably the Game Seven just to see them take home the cup. Um, Otherwise, I mean, it would be really cool to go back to, you know, one of those Lakers-Celtics finals or to, you know, to go back to, uh, man, maybe like a, a really old, like a Babe Ruth baseball game or something <laughs> like that, one of those old championships. Um, but I, I'd probably say Stanley Cup Finals game 794. Yeah, that that's a good one. I kind of figured you would, you would go Rangers there, but... Um... Yeah, I was tempted to say Game 7 of the 1984 NBA Finals. It was the only Game 7 between Bird and Magic. But there was no air conditioning in the Boston Garden, so it was probably like 100 in there. So that doesn't sound all that fun. Um, I I think I would have to go to some kind of old-timey baseball game. And, man, I'm trying to think of what's one of them really great baseball games but yeah like maybe i don't know your 1930 i think it's 1932 that i want to say yankees cubs my my baseball is not quite as good as my my football history and i think that's the babe ruth called his shot series 
Um, so that would be interesting. Um, maybe just for kind of a random one that I've read a lot about, um, I would, I wouldn't have minded going to game one in the 1968 world series to see Bob Gibson in the year when he had a 1.5 ERA against Denny McLean, the year that he won 31 games, that would be kind of a fun one to see too. Mm-hmm. I just feel like if, yeah, seeing baseball back then in like the thirties would probably be just about the coolest thing ever. Um, I mean, it's kind of like NFL where all the everybody showed up in like suits and things back then too, right? And yeah, yeah, I I think that would be really really neat to see that. I mean, everything was so different back then, and to I mean that being the biggest sport in America at the time, and you know, pre World War II, I think that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun to see some of those guys that not much footage exists of. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to some of our fan questions here. And uh, Daniel Johnson said that, um, how's, how's this one? Should the NFL have kneel downs be like n- the new intentional walks in baseball where you can just tell the referee you want to kneel and they run off the time? It would make things faster. And also in light of teams like Seattle that seem to, um, they don't even lose that much and they seem to cheap shot people every time that they're in the victory formation. So would that be something the NFL should consider? Yeah, I, I I don't know why I I had never heard of that or thought of that before. I, I think that's a really good idea because I mean, I, when does any team ever do like a fake kneel or something like that? It just <laughs> yeah. doesn't. It's never happened. So really, the point of it is, I mean, we have to sit there and watch teams kneel, and you know, we kind of thought when Greg Schiano left the NFL that that cheap shot <laughs> stuff on the snaps was done, but now the Seahawks are bringing it back, and everybody knows it's unsportsmanlike and dirty to do that. Um, but I kind of do get the point of it too. You're going to lose, you know, go yeah. for it, I suppose. But I, I think you got to take that out of the game. So I, there's no point to getting up there and kneeling other than possibly a botch snap, but I can't say I've ever seen that on a kneel down either. So yeah, that Pisarchik, um, um, Herm Edwards play the miracle at the Meadowlands is like the only time it's ever happened. That's why it gets replayed all the time. That was 45 right. years ago. And wasn't that a run play or was that a kneel down? No, you're right. That was a run play because they, I don't know yeah. if they had kneel downs back then. So I think Zonka's got his arms closed and Pisarchik tries to jam it in there and loses it. So you're right. I've literally never seen a kneel. I've never even seen a fumbled snap on a kneel down. So there's literally no point to it. So I don't know if, you know, people are complaining about extra points being um, pointless to do. <laughs> I don't know why we're still doing kneel downs. That's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea. I think that's actually a rule that they should consider, especially so then you get idiots like the Seahawks out of your town as fast as possible yeah all right Matt I got a really random one for you here that's uh, another one of mine where would you rank dilly dilly among the annoying and or memorable catchphrases that have originated in football commercials oh it's one of the worst I don't get it and I feel like our listeners are probably they're all gonna probably be like what are you talking about it's hilarious I just I don't understand why it's funny at all, and I feel like it. Maybe it's like it's supposed to be like a plan, like a Game of Thrones typey thing, but it it just doesn't. Like I don't understand why it's dilly dilly. <laughs> I just don't understand any of it. It's just so stupid to me. But I like I see like Bud Light post something I see it on Facebook, and there's like a billion likes to it. I was like, who likes this stuff? But um, like you think back to like what's up, and I at the time I thought that was hilarious. So, we were thirteen um, though, so it's a little different. But that's maybe that's the dilly dilly people. I don't know, but I just it's I can't. I'm sure there's way worse ones. I can't think of any off the top of my head. There's commercials that I've hated way more. I'm sure, but I just I think this is really dumb. But I feel like it's not going away. Yeah, it's one of my least favorite as well. Um, 
And you said it's maybe the 13-year-olds that like it. It's possible. But I was at an educational conference that featured presidents of two-year and four-year universities, and we had a networking breakout session, and people were saying dilly-dilly there. Oh, no. So it's infiltrated all parts of culture. But at least it... I I should have went to the crowd. Hey, guys, bud! Wise, er, and see if anybody yeah, that, yelled back. See, no, that was a commercial back then. <laughs> but yeah, if, if any of our fans want to like Facebook us, and I even like asked a coworker of mine who's like eight years younger than me, I was like, can you just like tell me why that's funny? He's like, I think it's kind of funny, but he's like, you get it. I don't think there's anything to get it. Just is what it is. So if if anybody out there knows or can explain to me why I should think it's funny, I'm I'm totally open to it. I feel like I want to find it funny. I just think it's <laughs> really really stupid. Yeah, so please, if any, we got any dilly dilly fans out there. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Budweiser's just Bud Light, especially, is gross. It's like you took a beer you actually like, opened it, and put it in the fridge for a week, and then drank it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nasty. All right, Omade Mousley has a good question that I actually was going to ask you, so I'm glad he brought it up. If you weren't a Packers fan, what team would you support? So I guess you could take this any way you wish if the perhaps the Packers would have folded long before we were born or maybe if we had been born about 10 years earlier and the Packers absolutely stunk when we were born um who do you think you would root for if you weren't a Packer fan see that's tough for me because the uh the team that was my always my number two when we were young was the Oilers and they're gone (laughs) and I I always then after that I really liked the Chargers um but they moved too and I guess that one wouldn't be quite as devastating so I feel like maybe I would have leaned on that and really for no no good reason for liking them other than they just had a quarterback I liked and I rooted for them hard in 94 against the Niners um so that's kind of where I started liking them I I guess that's I probably would have just stuck with that I guess I have no other reason to have an affiliation with any other team yeah I I can't see myself becoming like a um, a fan of the Vikings or anything. I fear, and I don't know why I fear it. I say that as a word. I don't legitimately fear this because it's impossible to go back in time like this. But um, I think that had I been born in 1977 instead of 1987, there'd be a real good chance I'm a Bears fan because they would have won the Super Bowl with the Super Bowl shuffle when we were about the age of, that we were when the Packers won it in 1996. And they had a lot of, yeah. they were close by, they had a lot of characters. And even later on, when they had Ditka but weren't winning Super Bowls anymore, you had Neil Anderson and Brad Muster, who were awesome on Tecmo, had all the gear possible with elbow pads and arm pads and different things that are cool to kids. And then you had uh, Jim McMahon, who always had cool gear. Jim Harbaugh had cool gear. They played on a dirt field, practically, that was painted green for the whole second half of the season. The Bears got pretty cool uniforms. So I think if if I had been born earlier, or if the Packers weren't around, there's a, a reasonably good chance I'd probably be a Bears fan. Yeah, that's probably right. Because I, I mean, I didn't even think of that because you hate them so much. But if there's no Packers, you don't hate them that much. And I, I think you know it. It's weird how that might change the landscape of the rest of your fandom, too. Like, I'm a New York Rangers fan just because I could never see myself cheering for a Minnesota hockey team or a Chicago (laughs) hockey team. But in this case, I'm probably a Blackhawks fan and probably a Cubs fan, too, because the Brewers are so bad when we're growing up. So, you know, I probably completely am cheering for Chicago teams at that point. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, well, I guess for a bunch of those teams, if you were a Bulls fan and a Cubs fan, you at least get some championships in there. Blackhawks, too. Gosh, stupid Packers. Why couldn't they have folded in 1950? Yeah, we'd be loaded with championships now and have had the greatest player in the, like, the history of sports on your team. And yeah, <laughs> Darn it. We're stuck with the stupid Packers. What a disaster. <laughs> 
Um, Brian Dinsey had a couple of questions here. Um, and I guess Omade Mousley had this one as well. We can kind of um, combine these. So what is our happiest Packers moment and our happiest non-Packers moments in NFL history? Oh, and Omade also wants to know our saddest moments too. So what are your, like, just, I guess, most joyous and least favorite moments in Packer history? Um, I guess one of each. Yeah, we'll do one of each. So I, we've talked about this before, but my I think it was least favorite game, but har, har, most heartbreak was the Brett Favre interception against the Giants in overtime mm-hmm. um, in um, 07 when they, they lost the NFC Championship game. That was, I think, for me by far the worst. I think a lot of Packer fans a little older than us, it might be Super Bowl 32, but yeah. I'm just being, what, 10 years old. It didn't hit home quite as hard as when I was, whatever, 22 yeah. um, or 20 in 07. Um, best... Man, I feel like every best that we've had, I think 2010, I, that's the obvious answer, and I think that's what I'll have to go with because every other best we've had and these amazing wins we've had always seem to get overshadowed by a devastating loss afterwards, and it just doesn't feel yeah. quite as good afterwards. So I think I have to go with the Super Bowl in 2010. Yeah, I, I would agree with uh, almost everything you said there. Um, that that Brett moment was really tough and uh, one of my least favorite. I guess throwing in there one of my saddest moments was watching Brett Favre ham it up on the sidelines as a Minnesota Viking after kicking the crap out of the Packers at Lambeau Field. That was a pretty bad moment and one of my saddest um, as well. And I think that even probably outranks the Seattle loss. Like in the moment, the Seattle loss was the worst. But um, knowing what I knew then that perhaps – Favre was the best player in franchise history, and he's a Viking, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, sitting there watching that sucked. Um, I guess my happiest would be any number of the moments in the 2010 playoffs. The Tremont pick in Philadelphia, the Tremont pick six against the the Falcons, the Sam Shields pick, the uh, Rodgers to Greg Jennings on third down in the fourth quarter. I mean, all of those felt like the biggest moment you've ever seen, and they just kept coming. And and that whole season, uh, that playoff run, I mean, pick any one of those moments, and it's about as happy as I've ever been. Oh, for sure. Or even the Deshaun Jackson punt return for touchdown yeah. that season. I mean, that was just up right up there, too. That's a good non-Packers one. I would say that would be my pick for that. The only other one, even though I hate both teams, probably the loudest I've ever cheered for a non-Packer game was when Russell Wilson threw the interception to Malcolm Butler on the one-yard yes. line. Because it was just hilarious. Yeah. And after what had happened to us, that just made my like season. Yeah, I think I'd choose for non-Packers, but they're kind of Packers would be Deshaun Jackson or the uh, Josh McCown touchdown against the Vikings to put us in the playoffs in, in 03. But yeah, um, but I, yeah, those are Packer related, basically. So I think, yeah, I'd go either that pick. I went nuts for that when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl and that Vinatieri field goal yep. went, went crazy. Um, I think those are probably the two that come to my mind first. Morton Anderson kicking the game-winning field goal in the 1998 oh, NFC Championship games. Yeah, there. <laughs> that that probably actually, now that you mentioned that one, that probably would take the cake for me. Or or Brett Favre throwing the pick to Tracy Porter in the Superdome might be. Oh, yeah, they're just now you're coming up with some good ones. I, you're, each one's topping the one before, and I think the Brett Favre interception, I think. I was I was running around. I was doing somersaults. That was the best moment. Yeah, I definitely went um, – uh, th- that's definitely more than I cheered for the Russell Wilson interception. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the few times in my life I've almost got beat up in a public place because there were a lot of far fans there that night and we had been there a while. So that can, uh, that sort of yeah. things can happen. Um, okay. So we have some, 
uh, let's try to get to just a couple more here. So I feel like a lot of the, the ones that Daniel had posted, we talked about earlier on. Um, Thursday night, Daniel has this one. Thursday night football going with the entire game shown in Skycam, which I hadn't heard about. Do you like these gimmicks? Is it unnecessary? Yes, it's unnecessary. No, I don't like these gimmicks. But um, I guess why the heck not? If it was up to me, it would probably still be filmed like it was on Monday Night Football in the 70s. So they need people that are innovators to try these things. Yeah, I mean, it's worth trying. For me, it doesn't like spoil the game. I'm not going to throw a fit about it, but it's something that really, to me, doesn't need to be changed. And it, I don't think it's going to draw in any extra viewers. They're like, man, I wasn't going to watch, but now that Skycam's here, I'm <laughs> I'm locked in for the whole game. Yeah. Um, it's it's whatever to me. I think it's pointless, but if they want to try stuff to try to make things better on a game that nobody's watching anyways, then go for it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Why not? Oh, we. I, I guess I realized we never, with Omade, we never said our saddest non-Packers moment. I don't know if I have a really good sad non-Packers moment. Uh, oh man, I don't know if I can think of. I'm sure there's been a lot, but I mean, they just obviously don't hit home as hard as. Yeah, because Ooh. I don't want to go into like. There's so many off the field ones, you know, especially recently with you know guys passing away and and things like that that really kind of take the cake. But um, gosh, I can't even really. I remember being, I'm sure I could think of 10 more that are better than this, but I remember cheering pretty hard for the Titans in that Super Bowl against yeah. the Rams. And just when he got tackled at the one, you're just like sitting there like, this can't be over. Like, there's got to be more to it. He had to have gotten in or something and um, just feeling <laughs> kind of devastated by that. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, I, I really can't think of any others. I felt awful for the Colts in 95 when they dropped the Hail Mary. Oh, yeah. Or, or I guess I don't remember it that well at the time. So this is kind of a mix of me watching it again and having seen it at the time. But watching Marino walk off the field after they lost to the Chargers in '94 with this most dejected look ever on his face, where it felt like that—I'm sure he would argue otherwise—but it felt like that was the moment where, in his mind, he thought, "You know what? I'm probably never going to win a championship." And it's just really sad to see that one. All right, my, the last question here that we're going to talk about is from Brian Dinsey. Um, and it's a, it's kind of a, a silly one, but I think if anybody has heard me reference things on here that I, I am a pro wrestling fan. And so he wanted to ask, he asked a favorite wrestling moment. But since this is not a wrestling podcast, I wanted to bring up some times when football players were in wrestling. And because uh, I think it wrestling falls on a spectrum of people that love it and think it's cool or people that think it's really the stupidest thing that human beings have ever done. And I certainly understand that um, mentality, like why pretend to do sports. Um, I'm not a big of a movie or TV fan anymore because it's kind of, I, I would rather read real stories. So I don't know why I even enjoy wrestling, but it's something that I watched as a kid that has just kind of, I don't quite watch it that much anymore, but I still have very fond memories of the stuff that I grew up with. And so... Um, I guess what is the, and I know Matt, you, I forced you to watch many hours of this stuff when we were kids. So what is to you is the best football player in wrestling? Oh, I think my favorite by far, unless you can list off some I've seen that are better, but I, I got so amped up when LT was in the, what was that? <laughs> WrestleMania 11. Yeah. Yeah. And beat uh, Bam Bam Bigelow um, with that awesome song by, I think it was what TLC. Noah, Salt and Pepper. 
Salt and pepper. That's right. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I remember singing that stupid song over and over again. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that for me that the weirdest thing about that is that Lawrence Taylor he was retired a couple of years, but he looks like he's dead at the end of that match, and he, he's he's wrestling like a. a Bam Bam Bigelow is like a 400, 500 pound guy. And it just really, um, you know, I, it's, it's all scripted and whatnot, but it's a different skill set that it's pretty amazing that, you know, you can do that for 30 minutes and be 400 pounds and not be sucking wind. And one of the greatest football players of all time is like a corpse at the end of that thing. Um, my favorite actually is, uh, was in WCW, which was the other company that was on TNT at the time that's out of business now. And the year after, so in 1996, Steve McMichael and Kevin Green teamed up to, to take on Ric Flair, who just had the 30 for 30, and then Arn Anderson in a tag team match. And it actually was really, um, it was a really good match that I think McMichael and Green must have trained for it like all summer, which is ridiculous to think that nowadays they would never let two guys be in something like wrestling. This was a I think July, no, it was June. It was the end of June. So with the old school training camps, they were probably three or four weeks, or Kevin Green was three or four weeks from training camp, and they still let him do this. That just would never happen today. Mm-hmm. And that, that, and you want to talk about the saddest moment for, for young Eric was uh, when Steve McMichael turned on Kevin Green and hit him over the head with a briefcase. Oh. That was pretty I was sad. Say, wasn't he a horseman for a while? Yeah, that's how he joined the horseman. He he bonked uh, Kevin Green over the head with the briefcase, and then but then I thought Kevin Green was kind of lame because he came out the next night and was like, "All right, well, I got to go play for the Panthers, but someday I'll get my revenge." I'm like, "Do it, do it now. What are you waiting for?" So and and Reggie White actually had a match as well the the year after. It's one of the worst yeah, things like- you ever saw. Um, Gilbert Brown tried to throw him a weapon and accidentally threw it, I think, over his head. And then Steve McMichael bonked Reggie with the weapon. And then Gilbert just got off, got off the ring like, oh, man, you know, whoops. Like, come on, Gilbert. <laughs> it should have made him have done a heel turn on Reggie on, on that. And... <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. So I'm sorry for anybody who had to listen to that that thinks wrestling is incredibly lame. Um, I, I still got a soft spot for it, especially that old stuff in the 90s. So, all right. Thank you, everyone, for contributing your topics. I'm sorry if we didn't get to all of them, but we tried to get to most of them. I guess one we will talk about before we wrap up, um, because Old Maid kind of has a good one here. Matt, what's your general sense of this season? And, you know, we, we've had such a strange year with injuries and the president feuding with the players and, and all of this kind of weird stuff. And I've said it multiple times on this show that this has been, selfishly, it's because partly because of Aaron Rodgers, but I think as a whole, this has been one of the least enjoyable seasons I can remember. And I'm hopeful that we get some kind of epic playoffs to, to rescue this. I was hopeful that the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz was going to be the game to rescue this season. And then Wentz blows out his knee at the end. And it, I, I don't know if it's necessarily anybody's fault, but this is the least fun that football has been in my recollection. Oh, for sure. For me, too. And I, it's not only the Packers, but it seems like every other bright spot I've gotten excited about is gotten ripped away from me. Like, I got on the Deshaun Watson train, for sure. I, they were so much fun to watch. I was trying to watch their games every week, and then he's done. And then I kind of get on the Eagles bandwagon, and now Carson Wentz is done. Yeah. So then you end up uh, – you know, I feel like you could – kind of get it redeemed a little bit here because the teams you're going to find in the playoffs, I mean, you're going to find some pretty good teams in there and we can have a pretty good postseason that can make up for a lot of this, but right now it sucks. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, <laughs> um, 
it's tough to watch. I mean, a lot of these teams right now, especially with the injuries, I mean, you you have maybe, you know, eight teams that are really good, um, mm-hmm. but the rest are basically irrelevant and really bad. So it's mm-hmm. it's unless you're watching two of those teams match up against each other, the football's been pretty poor. Yeah, and I'm begging for the Jags and the Chargers and those teams, whoever comes out of the West, uh, whoever else comes out of the West, please take down New England and Pittsburgh. Um, I'm tired of that. They played in the AFC Championship game when I was a senior in high school, and I'll be 31 years old in the spring. I'm tired of seeing Brady against Roethlisberger. And if you want to use one last pro wrestling reference, I mean, this is like when Ric Flair, the cheater and the bragger and the, uh, you know, all of the things he was taking on Terry Funk, who would do anything he could to injure people and then calmly justify it after the match. I don't want to see the Steelers and Patriots in the AFC championship game again. Yeah, it's it's no longer fun anymore. It's not that cool rivalry. It's like, all right, enough already. How are these teams still both here at this point? It's <laughs> it's crazy when you put it in perspective like that, how good and sustained these teams have been. Yeah, well and and you know, they're they're both class organizations, you know, so that's probably how. Oh. I'm I'm not, I was I was joking. They're they're both Yeah, I know. <laughs> scummy, scummy organizations they are. Yeah. Um. Did, real quick, did you see this? The Steelers and the Bengals. Um. I I wasn't watching it live, but yeah, I've seen all of the highlights from it. Yeah. So, I, the what the last thing the NFL needed in 2017 was to have that on prime time. Yeah. No kidding. And I I did see that Antonio Brown touchdown live where he got wrecked. That was pretty awesome. That like right at the end he throws his hands up while the flags are all flying in the air and he's all right. You're like, oh my god! Like the NFL could have just closed down right there. Yeah, no. <laughs> if kidding. he had a broken neck or something, and then it yeah it turned out okay. But yeah, that was rough. Yeah, those teams and- should basically. I mean, it, it was fun the first time, but those teams should just not be allowed to play each other anymore because it's always like the people are stabbing stabbing each other and stuff. It's just <laughs> it's no good. It's gonna be like West Side Story or something. They're all gonna come yeah. on the field with a weapon next time they play each other. Um, obviously I don't hope that happens. Um, and then today you had the great story. So you get to find out some of the, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like Marshall Falk really likes to open up to his coworkers and, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb has a very specific, uh, interest in women. So, you know, we get to learn a lot of great stuff about NFL players. Yeah. Uh, I kind of hope that, I mean, with any of these stories, you hope some of the stuff's not true, but you just kind of have to assume it is, you know, in the early onset of it. So I just like, just disgusting like how could a dude like act like that how could you possibly think that like oh she's gonna love this and just you know send off the video or the picture i just i'll never understand that but it seems that 90 percent of the males in this country are doing it so i feel like we must be in the minority at this point well this is the same brain that uh prior to the internet thought that cat calling was the best way to gain a mate so um, I could That's see That's, it's the natural progression of that. And we don't make mean to make light of this. What they did is awful and disgusting and in many cases criminal. But, um, man, it's just not only is football weird, it's a weird time to be alive. If I knew everything was going yeah. to be fine, I would find it a lot more amusing. Yeah, well, hopefully the, our problems don't just keep getting more and more severe and that this is just a blip and all of a sudden we get back to normal. But I kind of find that unrealistic that that's going to happen yeah i think you're right but the packers could be back to normal on sunday um, with the return of aaron Rodgers. so hopefully we find out tomorrow if not we'll have uh, another game of brett hunley to see if he can continue his late game magic but if you'd like to uh, contribute your thoughts on any of the strange things we've talked about today you can do so on the facebook page um green and gold forever podcast on facebook also on twitter at green gold forever that's the number four and uh, if you want to see the complete archives 
of the show and read some of the articles we've had in the past, you can do so, greengoldforever.podbean.com. And if you want to listen to us on the go, you can do so in a number of different places. Um, The iTunes app, uh, you can subscribe to us there, and please rate and review the show um, if you're so inclined. And also the Podbean app, also um, you can have our complete archives on there, so subscribe to us there. So, um, Matt, I appreciate you joining us today, and... uh, uh, it's 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 been fun. And uh, what are your thoughts as far as your gut feeling? What's going to end up of the 2017 Packers season? Um, I think my brain is definitely telling me that you know Rodgers comes back. Maybe they pull one off here, but I I find it highly unlikely they win out. And I, I think there's an okay chance that that happens. But I think your most likely scenario is you finish nine and seven and you just miss the playoffs. But I mean, heck, I'm only on this show what one time for the whole year, so I can get a <laughs> I'm not going to pick against the Packers, and um, so I guess I'm going to say they're going to make the postseason, but I I think my brain tells me that they're most likely going to drop one of the next three for sure. So can we get you back on if they win the Super Bowl? Yes, I can do that for sure. I will happily do that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great old school fun for uh, for me to get a chance to talk to you again uh, on the podcast. Obviously, in real life, we, we uh, still communicate, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so thank you for joining us as well, and hopefully this weird ride of the Packers season and their playoff dreams can continue at least for one more week, and who knows, maybe Aaron Rodgers will be taking snaps for the Packers on Sunday. Take care, everyone.